poor soul of noble origins. A squire tested in battle, a knight-errant forged in Camelot, a man strengthened by love. Join Adam as Sir Golston and Craig as the Game Master in Blood and Lust, a King Arthur Pendragon duet game of chivalry and mythic adventure. Let us win glory for our king, who will reward us with honors and lands, and the devil take the hindmost. Hello, Adam. Hello, Craig. So, we're finally doing it. We're finally going to play Pendragon. I've been trying to do this for years now, but we're finally doing it. I'm excited for uh, this great, great looking game here. Uh, and I know nothing about Pendragon, and I know uh, very little about the Arthurian myths, just kind of like what I picked up in you know, elementary school and, and one book that I read around that time as well. Uh, so... I'm excited to uh, to be playing this because I know this is like one of your this is one of your games, right? Yeah, and I mean it's perfect not knowing really much anything about it. Like seeing the sword in the stone as a kid is probably good enough. I'm coming at this from I'm a history lover. I'm a historical European martial arts practitioner. I have a big interest in mythology in general and the Arthurian mythology in particular, and I'm. Like, I've been wanting to do this for a while. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what is the King Arthur Pendragon RPG? Well, it's a role-playing game, and it's using a modified BRP system through Chaosium. For this, we're going to be using a the King Arthur Pendragon 5.2 edition with lots and lots of house rules because 6th edition isn't quite out yet. And... <laughs> You know, I like random tables, and there's a lot of fan material for it. Did you get your uh, Did you get your hardcover yet? I didn't get it yet. Uh, as we're playing this, this is a Friday. It's it's uh, scheduled to get here on Tuesday, so super fast shipping on that. And uh, you know, and I got the PDF right in front of me here. So yeah. So not to turn this yeah. into a Chaosium commercial, but this is I I really like the fifth uh, five point two book. It's beautiful. And they do this cool thing. If you order it uh, um, hardcover, they give you the free PDF through their bits and mortar program. It's it's great. Anyways, Pendragon. It is adventure gaming using major events of the Arthurian mythos as a backdrop to the game. But it's focused on the players and their little band of knights or singular knight errant in this case. This is going to be a duet game, by the way. So um, I'm... I'm going to be the game master and Adam is going to be playing his player knight. So like I said, you don't need to really know a whole lot of King Arthur, but I mean, it's been out for like, like 500 years. So we all know the story by now. We got Uther Pendragon rules Logris with an iron fist and dies at the height of his power. A young Arthur pulls a sword from the stone and with the help of the wizard Merlin and his faithful knights of the round table unites Britain, drives out the invading Saxons and brings peace to the land. King Arthur is betrayed and mortally wounded by the evil Sir Mordred and sleeps in the court of Avalon until he's needed again. That's what's going on in the background. But right now we're going to be focused on you, Adam. Excellent. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, exist during these times. So yeah, it's it's a mythic game, not purely historical. It's set in the pseudo 6th century, but as you go along, it kind of, or 5th and 6th century, but as you go along, new technologies develop. There's different periods and like periods of enchantment and different uh, skills and themes and things are brought into focus for the periods. The period we're going to be playing is called the Romance Period. So it's like the 530s era. King Arthur Pendragon, as written, is an interpretation. It's basically a 21st century pagan's interpretation of a 15th century knight's collection of prior collections based off romantic chivalry stories and oral histories. So there's a bit of a Xerox effect so it's not just like one version of Arthur, it's like all of them, and it's an evolution. The Great Pendragon campaign um, has, by default, like 80 sessions minimum, but uh, it's kind of like a 
big chunk to um, bite off of, and it's a big commitment for a lot of people. So I chose to just take one little section, and everyone does 485 onwards. And this is King Arthur Pendragon, not King Uther Pendragon, damn it. So we're going to go romance period, and it, it, it's, I think, a great period to set like a duet game in it. Basically, you are a knight. You are the 1%. It's not that you have to be a knight. You get to play a knight. So you you are the noble here. You get to have the autonomy to make decisions that really affect the land. Um, basically, as you go along, format is one session per um, game year. And then there's like a leveling up winter phase. I have no idea how this is going to work with a uh, uh, duet. So we'll see what our pacing end up ends up being so what are your questions adam i think you really covered most of it i i was going to mention how like i really liked how in the beginning of the the book it kind of lays out like which king arthur is this and it kind of gives you like this very brief kind of like summary of of what king arthur meant for like all these different cultures like what the like how the welsh kind of like saw him as this more like spiritual figure and like the french maybe like a more like romantic figure and it's just like i think it's a very cool meshing of like all of those things uh like a very long history of this this like uh mythology and and subject and uh it's really cool and like it's um i like the the blend of historical and fantastical so i'm really excited for this i'm going to give it my my full 100 uh as a player and uh yeah and i don't know how this is going to work as a duet but i think it should be should be really fun to to try to get into this this mindset of of being a knight during this time so i'm really excited all righty so i guess let's Go right into character creation then, because like, I'm going to be using the advanced character creation rules because we're not doing the default 485 setting in Salisbury. So we're going to make this a whole lot uh, trickier than it actually has to be. Yeah, let's uh, take a look at your character sheet here, Adam. And the first and most important part, and probably the hardest thing to come up with, is your name. So... When we were talking about this game earlier, uh, I kind of had, uh, you had mentioned to me that there was like an approach we could take that would include like a lot of randomization. And um, like lately, I've really been digging a lot of OSR style games and a lot of kind of old school style games that just kind of have a lot of randomization. And I've really been into that kind of aspect of gaming. So I went with this uh, this list that you gave me this uh I think it was a D1000 name list. And I rolled up a name on there that I kind of like. And uh, I spelt it wrong over here, but it was Golliston. So it's a G-O-L-L-I-S-T-O-N. And I just thought it kind of like, you know, it was my fourth or fifth roll on the table. I thought it had a pretty cool ring to it. Alrighty. So we decided to basically do a pretty much random character but with a few uh changes um where we needed to just to make the game work i did ask you to secretly roll your starting homeland just so i can you know if you rolled something crazy i could give you a an appropriate name list but uh luckily you got the one with the thousand ones to pick from so and what is my uh starting land so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Step one is determining your age. So we're actually going to be starting in the year 530. So that means that you're 20 years old and would have been born in 510. So if you want to annotate that on your character sheet. He's just a young buck. Like a hundred different rule books at the same time and have them all open to the right page. It says to uh, have you start off um, at 21 as a knight, but we're, we're going to back things up and we're going to see what uh, Squire Golestun is like. So we have your age. Um, next is probably one of the most uh, important rolls that you'll make for this part. Can you roll me a D6? We're going to see what sun number you are. Four. Ouch. Uh, so that makes you the fifth sun. I mean, it's it's not it's not great because uh this is primogenitor here so your 
four older brothers are bound to get all the inheritance before you, but I guess we're going to go for a humble beginning sort of story. So that's, that's, that's kind of cool. We can work with it. Old Galston's always been last in line. It's all right though. Alrighty. So we got, we got that. Um, so yeah, typically the, uh, the, the, fir- the heir and the spare get knighted right away. So that means that you must have a generous relative or some other circumstance that we're going to have to find out later as to how did you become a knight or how would you become a knight? Because right now we're Squire Galston or Golston. Goliston? Let's say let's say Goliston, just so we just Goliston. so we can kind of nail down a pronunciation early on. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I'll probably say it different every time. There are a we'll lot of Goliston. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, like medieval French names um, and such that I'm just gonna butcher. There's a uh, like ancient Cumric, Kimric, whatever, and we're we're gonna try our best here. So um, the next thing I'm gonna have that you actually already rolled was your homeland. So since this is going to take place at the end of the conquest period, beginning of the um, romance period, I had you rolled and your, the region you're starting from um, is actually called Logris, which is like the main part that will become England at some point, but the homeland and area that you come from particularly is called uh, Huntington. All right. Huntington noted quick so we can kind of describe where that is because i'm not sure how uh familiar you are of the geographic um regions of a fictional uh historical britain is but not very in, in my in my case <laughs> all right if you open up your maps folder that you have there's there's a map called regions of britain and you can see where logris is basically the eastern and mostly southeastern section of the island and if you bring up your pendragon players map and zoom way in you could kind of see it's like in the middle of that region of logris yeah it's the one that's basically on the eastern side in the middle of the forest and that makes you your culture the next portion of your character sheet uh kimrick that's c y m r i See, Kimrick. Okay, yeah. So actually, this is a very uh, good culture to have, uh, especially for your first time um, playing through. That's a very balanced culture mechanically, and it is basically the most populous peoples in the region. Basically, uh, descended from the Trojans. Um, um, possibly they came over here and mixed with the the local peoples. And just basically when Rome left, they they decided that, hey, this is our land now. Yeah, so they're known for being hardworking and excellent spear fighters and, you know, pretty honorable. Hey, that's cool. I, I'm pretty pleased with that. That's a... That's cool. I was, I was going to ask you, like, what's their reputation? But I didn't want you to, like... Um... You know, have to like give up, give out too much. But I, that's here, here cool. we go. Yeah, um, they're the common people, regular, serious-minded folk who work hard and do their best for their families and the nation. They're upright people of this island, proud of their heritage and abilities, but not overly arrogant. Their ancient traditions of family and class have maintained a good way of life for centuries and will endure forever. They manifest a quiet certainty regarding their qualities and way of life as being the best. But without being dogmatic or insistent, the fact that everyone is like them proves the point. I mean, let's be practical. They're everywhere and own everything. They're skilled spear fighters, both on foot and on horse. Awesome. Love it. So we have uh, then your culture. Next is religion. There's a few choices here. Most likely in Cumrica society, you're either British Christian or British pagan. Um, there's a chance that you could be uh, Roman Christian, but it's not as common for um, people in Huntington. So um, at this this point, I would say you could choose this if you feel strongly one way or another. That's tough. Uh, hmm. So I want to say British Christian 
that would be I, the most common. Yeah, and I was thinking, uh, I think at first, like, I th- I was attracted to him having, like, a pagan angle, but I think the way that I want to play this is British Christian. Yeah, I think that makes more sense starting in, like, the romance period. If we were starting earlier, um, it, it might be more common to be pagan, but, you know, the Grail quest is only a few decades away at this point, and more and more people are, you know, falling in line with the light of God. British Christian, it's different than, like, the Roman Christian um, um, cultures, because they don't actually follow the Pope in this setting. They they're kind of like the pseudo Anglican Church. Um, they have their own kind of hierarchy, and the bishops are appointed by local lords rather than the papacy. There's it's kind of like uh, mixed in with a lot of the local traditions. Anyways, they believe that they're descended from uh, Joseph Arimathea, the legendary knight in this case who brought back the holy grail um and started christianity in britain okay that sounds good to me yeah i think that this is the definitely the background that i want to come from all righty let me page forward a little bit and uh we'll move on with the character creation past all these other yeah other cultures and religions all righty so the next um the next section is your lord you can roll this, however, with the storyline and it being a duet campaign, I kind of already picked one out for you. So um, if you can write in Sir Gregor de Stafford. I like the uh, I like the tribute in the name there. Very nice. Yeah. He is a canon uh, roundtable knight in King Arthur Pendragon. So I had to. I had to. I'm 100% down with that. I love it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll figure out why you're... In, night as we roll onwards with this but it's a it's a pretty prestigious posting for squire golston i'm honored all right current class let's see here all right to do that we need to find your character's father's class all right so you you're from huntington so your family would fall under feudal two so can you please roll me a d20 eight your father was a household knight of someone in Huntington. So your your father's actually not landed. So this drops you even further in the social ladder, but humble humble origins. That's where we're going with this, I guess. Very humble. It just gets more and more humble. Yeah, we'll 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 see. You could yeah, plenty more to fall. All right. Next oh we got yeah, next we get to determine your family's wealth. So can you roll me another D20, please? Four. That's super rich, right? So we're going to subtract three from that because your father was a household knight, which makes you a one, which means your family wealth starting is poor. So your entire family subsists off three to five lira a year, right? So yeah, they're, believe it or not, you could still fall over. Is this like a traveler kind of thing where if I get like low enough, you have to just say like, yeah, he's. I mean, you haven't lived until you died in character creation, Adam. Well, I'm excited. Alrighty. So starting class. Interesting. Interesting. You can't actually fall any lower than poor knight because then you're just basically a dude with a sword. So um, just for now, just write uh, poor knight in current class or squire. Yeah. So far, so good. So the next um, place is current home as i mentioned that you you are lucky enough for some reason you are chosen to be one of the squires probably for sir gregor and being a round table knight uh he probably has multiple squires so we'll have to and you being a poor one probably towards the bottom so well your current home let's put uh castle terrible which in French actually means castle of the beautiful land, not a terrible castle. Oh, beautiful. Excellent. Exactly. Um, that's T-E-R-R-A-B-I-L, Terrabil. So that's Castle Terrabil, Terrabil is actually, um, if you have your player's map open, the very colorful one, it is on the far west in the region called Camilliard. There's a place called Stafford. Um, yeah, it's it's basically uh, right on the edge of the Aroy Forest in Cumbria. 
All right. Do you have your bearings? Yes. All righty. So um, because we are kind of um, on class right now and I have all the stats in front of me right now, we're just going to um, go down to your equipment. You are a squire, so you are going to be having basically a gambeson and a probably like a nasal helm. And if you go into the lower right hand of your lower left hand of your character sheet under equipment carried, your armor type, you'll just put eight points and just write uh, gambeson and helm. This is where I'm, yeah, this is where I'm uh, uh, exercising my historical right here because while it says boiled leather armor, I don't personally think that was as common as gambeson and gambeson's awesome. Um, you would also have a shield. Is there not a spot for shield on this? Is it just part of armor? Maybe, um, but um, uh, the shield is worth an extra six points if you're able to effectively use it. So maybe just under war gear, just write uh, shield, parentheses six. So you you, you probably have like, um, like a 13th century style heater shield, probably left over from the previous um, period, though being a squire, you don't really use it a whole lot. Because your main duties aren't really fighting. It's basically helping your knight. It's just for decoration right Mm -hmm. now. Yes. You would also have a sword. However, being a squire, it's forbidden for you to actually use it in anger. You can practice with it, though. And you would have a spear and a dagger. And there's actually no horse listed here. But we're gonna we're gonna say you're on a sumter because Sir Gregor would probably take care of you. So your uh, yeah, your horse would be sumter. Thank you, Sir Gregor. All right, so that is your equipment at this point. I'm going to now be moving along to the traits, the personality traits here. So this is actually one of my favorite parts of Pendragon you can tell how to play your character from a glance just by looking at your personality traits. They have 13 traits on the left side and 13 corresponding traits on the right side. So the together they would add up to 20 and your character is somewhere on the spectrum between chaste and lustful, energetic, lazy, forgiving, vengeful, generous, selfish, honest, deceit. I'm going to keep going because we're almost there. Just arbitrary, Merciful, cruel, modest, proud, prudent, reckless, spiritual, worldly, temperate, indulgent, trusting, suspicious, valorous, and cowardly. So these are kind of like determined by your culture and religion. Um, there's some bonuses um, if you are born and raised in a certain area um, sometimes. Um, but at this point, we are going to determine what your religious traits are. So you are a Kimrick British Christian. So can you underline the following traits? Underline chaste, energetic, generous, modest, and temperate. So do you have any uh, questions on these traits? Do you have any idea what they might mean? So I'm guessing that this is just kind of like the traits valued by my, my knight's specific cultures. Where like I'm guessing maybe if if I was like pagan or something, maybe I would have like different values, I guess. So different yeah. traits would kind of be on here. And I kind pagan. of like that they're like they're there's like a an opposite for each one, kind of. So I think this is like very cool because it's already kind of painting a picture of of how my guy is and like what he what he might care about and how he may act. So this I mm-hmm. think is probably just like upon looking at this character sheet this so far is like my favorite uh favorite part of it so far is this personality traits because i just can't i can't wait to see what happens you know yeah and uh, i mean there are some standard ways to do it or we can go random let's go random let's do it (laughs) all right so it it doesn't recommend for your first night to do this however we've been playing a while and we're trying to see what kind of challenging player we can player knight that we can um, sit you with he's already a 
fifth born son, a poor knight, but for some reason he's uh, serving a round table knight as his squire. So this is what good stories are made of. You know? Exactly. I, I, I kind of wanted to do a, like a humble origins um, campaign. Actually, I, I should just um, kind of uh, lay it out there. Like I'm, I'm trying to do like a like 10 session ish campaign where basically we're following the journey of a young man through his journey to knighthood and it's a romance period. So wooing ladies will be part of the deal. And like some traits are going to be more important than others in this one. Actually, if you want to like put like a little, little, uh, indicator next to him maybe like a dot don't put it in that little box next to it but if you could have put um a dot in these following traits that'd be great uh so put a dot next to forgiving generous honest just merciful and trusting i'm not going to tell you why but it's these for this particular game it these are going to be the important ones so i mean we're not. We haven't even rolled your uh, traits yet, but there there are certain points where we can kind of um, add and subtract to get um, to where we want to have a you know a fun character to play with. But those uh, those uh, traits that I just said they're important to the story. So it would it'd be cool to have higher ones, but we'll see what we have. All right. So we decided on random determination for character personality traits. I want you to, for each of these traits in the left-hand column, to roll 3d6. So this should generate a number between 3 and 18. And we, you could write those in for now in pencil next to them on the left-hand side, but don't worry about the right-hand side yet, because we're going to do some modifications based off of some of your cultural, like, cultural and religious bonuses. I'm just going to do 3d6. Am I doing it down the line for all of the traits? Okay. Yep. Um, Down the line, chase through Valorous. Okay, perfect. And when you're done, just let me know. And we'll, we'll, once we modify them, we'll then go over what you have. All right. I got them all. All right. Next, we're going to modify your traits based off of your religious values. So those um, ones that we underlined earlier. Um, we're going to be adding three to those appropriate sides. So let me just verify real quick. Yes, so all all of your religious traits are left-hand side traits. So just add three to those ones you underlined. Okay, so those are all adjusted. All right, our next step is we're going to adjust according to regional modifiers. So you are going to be adding one to these. You're going to add one to energetic, forgiving, Honest, just, trusting, and valorous. And these are because your homeland is Logris. And these are the traits that are kind of valued by your countrymen. Okay. The next point is we're going to be adding um, some discretionary points amongst any of your traits. Um, No trait may be raised above 19 in this matter. Just because, uh, like, this is your, your first one and we're trying to you know, make it kind of uh, fit a a character you might want to play. What are you at currently? Um, If you want to just uh, go down the line real quick. Yeah. So for Chaste, I have 13, Energetic, 14, Forgiving, 12, Generous, I'm 17, Honest is 10, Just is 7, Merciful is 7, Modest is 16, Prudent is 10, Spiritual is eight, temperate is 12, trusting is 14, and valorous is 14. All right. So none of them are like incredibly low and making it unplayable for this campaign, but you are now kind of allowed some discretionary points to raise any of these traits at this point or lower them by adding them to the other side. So, so typically... Typically, you're given three points to this, but this is a duet game, and you're kind of meant to carry the load for multiple members. So we're going to fudge a little thing, some little things. So we're it says you get three that you could change. However, I'm going to allot you six if you would up to six if you want. So that's going to be like six points I can just spend throughout these traits. Correct at okay. this point. 
So like you could just, you could put them all into just if you wanted to, or you can kind of like spread them around, keeping in mind what uh, those important ones I mentioned earlier were. I'm going to do two into just, two into merciful, and then two into spiritual, just to kind of round myself off a little bit, um, because those were my my lowest values. Okay. And like, I wouldn't um, treat all right-handed traits as completely negative, it, but if you wanted it to be like a little bit more even for spiritual worldly, like that is fine. You are a British Christian just because you have a current now a 10 did you say after your adjustment yeah 10 now so yeah you're you you're both you're as spiritual as you are worthy at this point so now you can on the right hand side fill in the corresponding so basically subtract from 20 to get the right hand side okay so i've got the the right side of my traits all sorted out now i might have uh, been a little uh um, early on that because <laughs> I forgot that there's the individual differences portion. At this point, you could choose one trait to start at 16 if desired. It could be any of these traits. Hmm, this is tough. So if you did want to play a spiritual knight, I'd let you take those two points back and just go from 8 to 16. Or you could just take like uh, like anything and make it 16 it's weird the order of operations, how this works here. And I think it's tried to incentivize you of kind of shaping your character. I think I want to make his just uh, 16. Okay. So yeah. Cause uh, that, that one I think is like a, a cool trait. And like, I, I really kind of do like the idea where you like pick a trait that, that you want to have a higher value. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. I want to, I want to make his just, 16. So then do I have to alter? I mean, I'm going to alter the other side of that trade, of course. Yes. But do I have to alter any other values uh, by yeah. having this one 16? Let me just make sure. Okay. Uh, finally, this order of operations weird. And I don't, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but we're just going to go with it. It says you can add a total of six points to any trait or traits, put them all into one trait or distribute them between up to six others in any way you desire, but you cannot raise a trait greater than 19 at this point. So I'm at it. Uh, am I adding additional points now? Yes. Okay. So six, you said? Yes. Hmm. And this is after the six that I already. Yeah. This okay. is after it's, okay. it's a, it's a weird thing. Oh, that's all right. That's it's easy enough to figure out. So I am going to, I'm going to raise my honestness six points uh to to bring my honestness to 16 all right so now that we've got your personality traits down we're going to see if you have any directed traits um looks like for you're from huntington you have no directed traits from huntington so like yeah basically huntington uh, there was some uh war like 30 years ago and your family um, was displaced temporarily by saxons but you weren't hit like you weren't hit hard enough to like generate a like a suspicion or anything to any of your neighboring counties at this point can you just go down um, left and right and tell me your pairs and their values for each of your personality traits sure thing so for chaste, I have 13. And for lustful, that's at seven. For energetic, I have 14. And that makes my lazy six. My forgiving is 12, which puts my vengeful at eight. My generous is 17, which makes my selfish three. My honest is 16, which makes my deceitful four. My just is 16, which makes my arbitrary four. My merciful is nine, which makes my cruel 11. My modest is 16, which makes my proud four. My prudent is 10, so my reckless is 10. Also, my spiritual is 10, so that makes my worldly 10. My temperate is 12, and my indulgent is eight. My trusting is 14. And my suspicious is six. 
And also my Valorous is 14 and my Cowardly is six. All right. Our, uh, our young squire is actually notable in quite a few things at this point. Um, a notable trait is anything 16 or higher. So you're notably generous, honest, just, mo- and modest. So that's some. Uh, those are some pretty important ones, which might explain why Sir Gregor might have had you assigned to him. I like to think, uh, you know, I, I am the last in line, but maybe I stick out amongst my brothers a little bit because of those uh, virtues. Probably not, though. All righty. So we're going to check right now if you get any bonuses for your personality traits. You are a British Christian. Let's see here. If all your underlying traits are 16 or higher, then you get a bonus. Um, I'm kind of making a sheet along with you so I can have an idea what your stuff is. Looks like um, you're short on a couple of them. Um, chaste, energetic, and temperate aren't quite there but you're actually pretty close so becoming a religious knight could be something that you could strive for because you need to get 16 or higher and all those to get them so you're not there yet but this is character creation it's kind of boring to start with it however um let's see about a chivalry bonus if you can um put a like some sort of mark next to these following uh, traits that'd be great so they're energetic generous just merciful modest and valorous okay and if you can do some quick arithmetic and add them up and tell me where you're at so that's a total of 86 squire at this point unfortunately uh, this applies to knights only then you're not quite knighted yet but you know if you if you make it through and get knighted then you're going to be getting something pretty nice. So 86. Wow, that's that's impressive. But we we are going out to make a hero that can kind of stand on his own a little bit. But you don't get that. Uh, you're not going to get the bonus from that yet because that applies to knights only. But Hopefully just someday. Yeah, just uh, just wetting your whistle for something. Make sure you remind me about that if and when you ever do something worthy to be knighted. The next part we're going to cover are our passions. And passions are these drives that like both like power and hinder knights. They're the these things that they're really excited about. Um, you have all these stories of like Arthurian knights feeling incredibly emotional over something, whether it's gonna be like love of their family or their honor or like their amour for a lady. There's these things that just inspire knights to just do incredible feats of strength or turn them into just insane killing machines, but it could also drive them mad. Passions are really fun to play with. There are some common passions chosen by your culture, which is Kimrick. Or we can uh, roll them randomly. I would like to roll them randomly, but I'll I'll trust your your expertise if this is going to be too out there to uh, to randomly figure this out. If it works, though, I would I would like to uh, randomly figure out these passions. It is up to you. Yeah, let's do it then. Let's do it. So uh, at this point, you're going to have the following passions. Loyalty, Lord love of family, hospitality, and honor. And these can change or like become some other things at some point, but these are the ones you start with. So for each of these, I want you to roll 3d6 and add four and tell me what you get for each of them. Okay, so for my loyalty lord, I got 11. For my love family, I got 18. For my hospitality, I got 17. And for my honor, I got 18. And this is the fun part about uh, rolling them randomly, especially when you do well like that. Uh, you got three of the four notable. So, I mean, you you feel so-so against the, um, for your lord, but uh, it seems like you really love your family, all four of your older brothers and probably other sisters and everything. You probably got a whole, like, Huge clan. Yeah, huge clan at home. We'll f- we'll find out more about them as we roll on and 
randomly generate them because that's how it goes. Hospitality and honor are really important for you. Um, and as a Virginia Young Squire, it's these are good traits to have, especially if you're kind of like the runt of the litter, age-wise. The fifth son. Yeah. I mean, you're technically the fourth because usually the third is sent to the church, which is why when you roll the four, you got the fifth. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that that might not have been as yeah. interesting of a story. Yeah, the 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 air, the spare, the prayer, and all the rest. You're all the rest. Alrighty, so we're just gonna keep going on. We got next attributes and statistics. So your attributes are your size, which is your physical um, size, your dexterity, your strength, your constitution, and your app, which is your appearance and appeal. So we are going to generate these. So there are a couple ways to do this, but I think I know what you're going to pick. Yeah, I think you do. So to roll them randomly, we are going to uh, roll 3d6 plus 4 to determine your size. And there are minimums and maximums. I'll let you know if you get close to either of them. Whoa, size of 18. Does that Good mean Good God, huge? you're huge. Yeah. Uh, you're like... 180 pounds which is like gargantuan for back then because these are historical sizes wait okay so this next one i rolled doesn't really seem possible with uh, uh what so that was just for size that was your, just for size yeah your other statistics are determined oh, okay. differently okay all right good the other ones are 3d6 plus one okay cool so just go down the line for deck strength con and app okay i got them so my so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Gonna ask you. I was just gonna ask you to go down the line. All right. So my dex is ten. My strength is ten. My con is sixteen, and my app is twelve. Well-rounded dude. Um, you're actually at the maximum size for your culture. Excellent. I love. Uh, it. He was always so, the biggest kid in class. Oh, you had to be being uh, one of the younger sons with like. Was it four older brothers? And next, we're going to determine your derived statistics. Uh, for your damage statistic, we are going to add your strength and size and divide by six. So that would be 28, but divided by six is... 4.6666666. Okay, 4.6 rounds up to five. So your damage is 5d6. That's quite respectable so uh next we'll figure out your healing rate that is strength plus con divide 10 i think that's uh 2.6 which rounds up to three this is uh not like call cthulhu where you round down all the time you're a heroic knight so you round up uh your movement rate is your strength plus dex divide 10 so that's one or sorry that'd be two because it'd be 20 Divide 10, 2. And your total hit points is size plus con. Whopping 44 hit points. Pretty good. I mean, those are my two highest attributes is my uh, size and con. 34, actually, you know, 44. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. The the other ones, it's dividing 10. This one's just a straight. Um, Your unconscious value would be your hit points divided by four, which would give you 8.5. So you're it round up to nine. All right, noted. All right. Next, this one's a fun one. Uh, Distinctive features. So you have an app of 12, which means you have one distinctive feature. And it's because you have an app of 12, it's higher than average. So you have one really distinctive physical feature. Let's, uh, would you like to pick what that is or should we roll randomly? Let's roll randomly. Alrighty, let me uh, open up the book. Can you please give me a D6, please? Two. All right, so two is something to do with your body. So it'd be one of these either slouched, barrel-chested, hunchback, fine hair, tall, thin, broad-shouldered, high-shouldered, very muscular, burly, squat, smooth skin, etc. And it would probably be a positive one because you have a 12. I would say he's burly, not particularly like like a ripped dude, but he's just a big, big burly guy. Yeah. You have size 18 and strength of 
10, which is pretty average, kind of 16. That, yeah, you're you're big strapping young lad. Excellent. All right, next we're going to cover your skills. The first thing that I want you to do is go to your skills, and you are Kimrick. So you're going to do this. You're going to find the skills of Lance, which are under combat skills, spear, and great spear, which actually great spear is not on there, and cross them out. Crossed out. They're all crossed out. All of these will be covered under one skill, which is called spear expertise. Basically, your culture is known for their spear work, so they've been using, they have basically an, a leg up on using lances before lances were a thing because they've been doing so much spear work. So you don't actually have to separate your skills for this, which is, you know, quite a powerful, uh, like bonus that you get. Yeah. That's awesome. We're going to now, uh, find your starting values for your skills. So this is before you add anything to them. So in your little parentheses, uh, you could write these, uh, awareness six, boating one, skip surgery because you don't do that. Compose at zero, courtesy at five, dancing at two, fairy lore at one, falconry at three. You don't do fashion. First aid at ten, flirting at three, folklore at two, gaming at three, heraldry at three, hunting at two. You don't do industry. Intrigue starts at three, orate at three, play harp at two, read Latin at zero, you start illiterate, recognize at three, religion British Christian starts at two, romance at four, singing at two, stewardship at two, swimming at two, turning at five, and we're going to go over to your combat skills, battles at ten, sieges at two. Horsemanship's at 10, sword 10, dagger is 5, and your spear expertise starts at 10. Okay, got it. So siege wasn't written on my sheet, so I just I just put that one in one of the blank spots. Yeah, it's exactly how you do it. Okay. So now we're going to have some individual skill choices. It says, as you add points, write them plus 5, plus 2 as you go, and total them up at the end. All right. At this point in time, remember these rules. Uh, at this point, no skill or combat skill may be raised above 15 by these skill choices in this section. And no trait can be raised above 19. Yeah. So I'm going to have you now at this point make some choices about your skills. So choose any one combat or non-combat skill at which you excel and make it a 15 just right off the bat. Uh, weapon skill is a popular and useful choice. Yeah, I'm going to be a 15 spearman. Okay, you're going to take advantage of uh, your uh, cultural heritage. All right, now choose any three non-combat skills and make each of them a 10. So you can bump up a lot of those low ones. Okay, so I would like my hunting to become a 10. Pretty good at that sport. Um, I would like my dancing to become a 10 and my singing to become a 10. Ah, so I see you're going like the courtly approach. Yeah. So this is interesting because like, since this is a duet game, you as a player, you're telling me, hey, these skills are important to my character. So I want to see these more often. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's kind of like he has a... The attributes, like, and even the the fighting skill, I guess, of like a, a a big warrior type. But he he like enjoys like singing and dancing and uh, and and like hunting. You know, like culture. Like he enjoys culture. I guess is is what uh, how I would see it. I don't know. So it's like there's there's more to him than uh, than lets up than he just lets off. You know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm liking this and paired with uh, your selection of personality traits or your random determination, it's gonna be an interesting character. Let's let's hope he survives a little bit. Raise any four scores from your traits, passions, or skills. You can if you choose to raise a skill or a combat skill, you increase it by five points. However, uh, yeah, you, you increase it by up to five points, 
but you can't uh, go higher than a 15 at this point. Or you can choose an attribute, trait, or passion and increase them by one. However, no traits can be raised above a 19 and no passions can be raised above 20. And you are at your cultural maximum for your size. So there are ways to break that rule, but not at this point. The so. the giant of Huntington. No, um, well, I think I definitely want to raise my loyalty to my lord. Okay. So I, so, I add a one to that. Mm-hmm. And you have you you can do this three more times. Can I uh, repeat that on the same passion or just once per passion? Uh, you can do it again as long as you don't okay. raise that passion to above a twenty at this point. So I think I'm gonna kind of sink it all into my loyalty for my lord. Okay, so, so you want to have a good rapport with them? Yeah. Okay. Interesting choice. I, I like it. So what is your new uh, loyalty lord? 15. Excellent. All right. Now we have more skill stuff. Uh, add 10 more discretionary points to be divided in any amount among any number of non-combat skills of your choice. So look at your skills that aren't combat skills, and you have 10 points to throw under there, and you cannot raise the skill above a 15. Let me know when you're done with that. Um, you don't have to tell me what they are yet till we get towards the end. Okay, I got it figured out. So I want to raise my courtesy by two. I would like to raise my fairy lore by two. I would like to raise my flirting by two. And what was the last one I wanted to do? Oh, I would like to raise my play harp by four. All right. And now, can I get a d20 roll? 11. Oh, you're going to love this. Um, So what we just rolled was your family characteristic. Uh, This is both knights and ladies. Anyone in your family, your family is known for this characteristic. So you are going to add plus 10 to flirting. You you are naturally lovable. (laughs) And this can break the rules um, established earlier at skill point limits. Wow, so that brings me up to a 15 flirting. So my guy is quite the... Uh... It's almost notable. All right, hold so on. So that's just like what my family's known for, I guess? We're yeah, just you're, very yeah your family, family is... Yeah, you're known as a family of flirts. Now, flirting is different than romance. Romance True. periods hasn't started yet, but you're, you're known for, uh, you know... I mean, you have how many older brothers? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me let me look at, up one more thing for this section. All right, so we're going to give you a little bonus based on your father's class. Your father was a household knight, knight of any rank. You're going to add two to the following skills. Courtesy, heraldry, intrigue, and battle. Because basically, as a household knight, your family's used to picking up um, these skills. Because you've just been around, you know, kind of like absorbing it, you know. And it's it's actually a pretty interesting thing um, with your father being a poor household knight, but was still allowed to marry and have a big family. So it might say that um, he was pretty well loved by his lord because it's the lord that's paying for all that. Because your father's not landed, but he's still got to have a huge family. So unless he just have one anyways but i'm sure that that's kind of like how they how they measure his success it's like well look at all look at all the offspring he created Alrighty. next we are going to roll on one of my favorite tables the luck table can you roll me a d20 please 15 and you're british christian correct yes all right so uh this is basically a really cool thing that you inherited from your family. Your brothers probably got a lot of the cool stuff already, but what you got was the finger bone of St. Alban. It is a British Christian relic. And when you have it with you, it grants you plus three piety. Wow. Okay. So so, so I'm going to, I'm going to say that uh, piety in this system is spiritual. So you can kind of like meditate on this dead saints, finger and feel a little bit better about uh, being christian and more spiritual makes sense 
Mm -hmm. So that like, if you want to do something over your, your split spiritual worldly pretty well, but if you want to like try to, you know, meditate on something because you want to like figure some spiritual quest out or something, you can just pull up this finger bone and remember, Hey, this is what I believe and kind of get a plus three bonus to that. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty interesting family heirloom. Yeah. Too bad you didn't get a destrier. <laughs> you at some point will inherit some glory from your father. Uh, your father died, but he was a well-loved knight. All right. Can you roll me 66 and add 150? 172. All right. So your total glory is 172. You're not knighted yet, but this is the amount that you will once you're knighted receive from your dead father for all his glorious deeds. Your your father was a big deal. He was a household knight. You kind of like have a little bit of that rub off on you, which um, reminds me, uh, glory. Uh, glory is something that is, it basically, it's it kind of like experience points in other systems. However, it's how well you're known, what your reputation is, your renown throughout the land and uh, it's how like you are perceived by other people. People judge you based off of a few things. One of them being your appearance. One of them, be- the other being your reputation and whether you're a knight or not. You are a lowly squire at point. At this point, you really haven't done shit. But we're looking to change that. We have a, a well capable knight in the making, and we are going to see where you can come of that. Now, let me go and look at any other things on this character sheet we didn't cover yet. I assume things like uh, squire and stuff. I don't have it, uh, any holdings or any squires or any armies or anything like yeah, that. Let's so. let's. If you go to the back of your character sheet, we can fill in some of this. Your annual glory rewards. So every winter phase, you will get um, bonuses based off of your traits, chivalry, holdings, passions, religion, etc. Um, what you'll want to do is make a note for your traits. Uh, let, let's look and see. You have generous at 17, honest at 16, just and, and just at 16, and modest at 16. So what you'll want to do is add all those together, and you'll get um, a bonus of glory just for being really high, highly known for these traits. Um, at some point, you'll get a bonus for chivalry, but you're not in yet. You don't have any holdings. And your passions, you will also get uh, the value for everything 16 and, uh, and higher. And you have some pretty high passions, which actually works out pretty well for a solo campaign. So I'll let you figure uh, what your annual glory rewards are on your own time, because they will change um, as your character changes. Uh, holdings, you don't have any of those yet. Equipment at home, Denarian Libra, you are a poor knight. You have whatever your knight gives you. Army, let's actually figure this out, because while you don't have an army, this kind of deals with your family size, and the size of your family might come into play later. All right, for old knights in your family, can you roll me a d6 minus five? Zero. Uh, for middle-aged knights, can you roll me a d6 minus two? Three. All right, so you have three middle-aged knights in your family. These are probably like older um, cousins or uncles, your father's bastard brothers, stuff like that. And for young knights, can you roll me a d6? One. All right, we're going to uh, make that a four because we established that you have some older brothers. Right, right. Mm-hmm. My bro. Yep. Um, and for other lineage men, can you roll me a 2d6 plus five? These aren't necessarily knights, but they are family members who, you know, could be useful in a fight if it ever came up. 14. So these are kind of like my able-bodied clan members, clansmen. Yeah. Not necessarily knights, but, you know, like man, men at arms or just like maybe he's a tradesman that practices the sword. And finally, Levy, can you roll me 5d20? 54. All right. 
So these are the able-bodied men who are, you know, peasants that live probably on like one of your brother's estates that they have them, but they're not your levy, but they're people that, you know, if appropriate uh, uh, things happen, you can kind of call upon if someone else says it's okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like potentially like my brother's workforce or something or like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, your father was not landed, so your brothers are unlikely to be landed, but they could marry into a, like a rich heiress or something, but this sort of thing we'll kind of figure out as we go. Your character history um, is your next portion. Um, Important events. Uh, You were born in uh, 510. In 514, you started to squire for Sir Gregor. And the current year is 530. And you could also add these dates down in your family history and events section. Okay, awesome. Do you have any uh, questions um, regarding your family history and events? No, um, honestly, I really like the way that this kind of played out. I think it's very straightforward so far. And I think that there's still a lot of room to kind of flesh these ideas out. Um, And I think we have like a really good kind of foundation for this guy so far. I think it's, he has an interesting background, really. Yeah. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.